Welcome to The Heart Podcast, a Christian podcast featuring sermons from The Heart Church and impromptu episodes covering a wide variety of topics. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Good morning. Good. Amen. Good. I won't say good morning. I'll just say good. Um, it is good to be together. Good to be together and uh, looking forward to Uh, getting into the word with you this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come before you and we are just incredibly, incredibly grateful and humble uh, that you allow us to participate in a relationship with you and uh, be a part of an incredible, incredible fellowship. Um, I do pray that you would help our hearts this morning as we've already been guided uh, in our welcome, uh, as we looked at Samuel and as we, uh, for our uh, communion, remembering your son, as we looked at Matthew 26, and uh, we're just guided about prayer. And, and we pray that you would guide us. We love you, need you, and pray in son's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're, let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, the title of the lesson is, there is room for more. There is room for more. And as Thanksgiving is fast approaching, we can use that, right? There is room for more. One more piece of pie, a little more turkey. There's always room for a little more. Uh, Luke chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 15. But before we get there, uh, we can go to the slide, Omar, please. And we've been talking about this whole idea of oikos in the in scriptures. And again, the, the I, I do want to remind us in our fellowship, we have traditionally been doing this. We just have not had language for it. And obviously, uh, I don't know how many of you guys are Greek scholars. Any Greek scholars out there? No, not one. No, not one. Uh, I am not either. And there are a lot of words that we read in their concept, household or dwelling, but it includes your family and servants and everybody within your sphere. We've been talking about that and how you can go to the next slide. God has supernaturally and uh, strategically placed people in our lives so that we might help others to know Jesus and they might help us to grow closer to Jesus. Amen? And that comes from Acts chapter 17. So as we talk about these principles, I don't want us to uh, get all uh, into, you know, uh, all, all into the language per se, but knowing that all of these things are have biblical principles. And there's some things that uh, if you follow at all, like the, uh, the self-help world, a lot of that stuff, actually pretty much all of the positive self-help stuff, do you know where that stuff comes from? It's all scripture. As a man thinketh, Proverbs 23, 7. uh, The tongue has the power of life and death, Proverbs 18, 21. They use these principles over and over, this law of attraction and all that junk. Uh, And the reason I say junk is because they they promote it as, oh, this is our idea. It's all from the word of God. And so this whole idea of oikos and God supernaturally and strategically placing our lives Uh, Placing people on us, that is the scripture all over the Bible. God is moving and he's moving people around and orchestrating things via angel circumstances, the Holy Spirit, so that people might get an opportunity to know him. And so we've been talking about that. And today we're going to continue in that conversation. Uh, We've been talking last week 
uh, or actually last week we had our, our international service, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but we have been talking about uh, working on the internal oikos, working on us, so that way we can help impact those outside. And we're going we're gonna to continue a little of that today in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at two passages today. Uh, we're going to look at this Luke 14, verse 15. And then we're also going to look at John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Luke chapter 14. It says, uh, when one of those at the table with him heard this, Jesus was uh, at the home of a Pharisee, uh, one of the religious leaders at the time, having a banquet, and he began to teach them some parables. And uh, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at, that at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. At that time, I'm sorry. But they all alike began to make excuses. The verse said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. <laughs> and the servant came back and reported all this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets in the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has already been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And th there's a lot of context here. So for us, as we read this, and there's a, I've read this, I don't know how many thousands of times. And again, I'm finished reading through and I'm almost done with the Bible. And I, I just finished, uh, actually, I just finished John, but I finished Luke just a little bit before that. And it's so amazing. You can read things over and over. But then as you dive deeper and you look into the words, it, there's so much more there. And it's always that way with God. And here... Uh, Jesus is at this Pharisee's house, and they're sitting at the table. And uh, for, for some context, he was talking about even how just before then, how some people were taking like the seats of honor higher at the table, and then he he's correcting them on that, uh, and he's he's getting he's he's helping to get to their hearts. And then he tells a parable. He says there was a man that was preparing a banquet, and he tells his servant, "Come." Go, go tell all those people that were invited that everything is ready, that everything is ready. And so uh, at this time, it's a little bit different. Well, actually, we, there are parallels. At that time, when banquets were ready, it took time and months and months to prepare for this meal. It wasn't like, oh, it's Thursday. Hey, we're having a meal. Come on over. It wasn't like that. They were preparing a feast. And so they took months and months. And so in essence, uh, when he said, tell those that were invited, this save the date for us, right? There's been a save the date already put out. Tell those that were invited, come, everything is ready. 
And so these people that go, that he goes, the servants go to, and they begin to make the excuses regarding the field and the oxen and the marriage. These people had already been invited, had already, we, we can infer that they've already said, yes, we'll be there. They've already committed, we're going to be there. But then when time comes, nope, can't be there. They all began to make excuses. And the master says, well, okay, those people were invited, go to the next level. Bring in all the poor, the lame, the crippled, go out to the alleys and all that. And the, a good servant, he said, that's already been done. We figured you want to be here. So we did that too. And so then he says, go on out to the country and fields and make them come in. And so for our context, or for their context, he's specifically referring to the Israelites who had already been invited. And those were kind of the religious leaders and all that. He, they had already been invited. He said, then go get the poor, the lame, the crippled, those that were kind of outcasts, but still within the community of Israel, right? Go get them, bring them in, because they were the ones that were traditionally ostracized within their community. He says, they won't listen, they don't come either. Then you go out, you go out to the country and the fields. You go to the Gentiles. You go out to those people that I don't have a relationship because there is room at this table and I want as many as possible in here. And for us, it's important to understand what they, what they were hearing. And as he was sitting at the table with the Pharisees, we're like, hey, you guys were invited. You made excuses. You didn't listen to the gospel. And then we went on out. You, you know, we went to the prostitutes and all those that were kind of outcasts, the sick and all those. We went to them and they didn't respond enough. And so now we go to the Gentiles and literally you're sitting at that table and those people are like, you know, uh, Jesus had a wave even while he was sitting at your table. He, uh, he and there's a, a sister who I love who's very, very good at this. I use, it's called the velvet brick. She hits you over the head, but the but that brick is covered in velvet. So it feels soft. You're like, wait a minute, this is soft, but it hurts. And I think that's what the Pharisees were receiving at that time as they're sitting there with Jesus and he's tearing this parable, he's telling them the parable. He's, he's like, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. And for us, I think there's some things that we can learn about this. I think there's some things that we can learn. Because again, as we read this, I think in the past, we've only read this in the context of we're the servant, we're the servant, we need to go on out, you know, the Great Commission. We need to go on out and bring them all in, get, you know, bring them in, make them come in, right? Have any of you guys heard that in your many years of being Christians? Make them come in, right? Uh, that's what we got to do. But I think there's some things that we could possibly miss. Because this great banquet, and we're going to look at something in a second, this great banquet, it's for us too. And I think for us, it's easy to forget that over time, get this out of the way, over time, that we can be like those religious leaders. And we can be invited, invited, the first ones invited, but then we begin to make excuses. And here it says, you can go to the next slide. Oh, come for everything is now ready. And I think for us, it's so important to understand that what he, what Jesus was telling them and what it means by everything is now ready. You guys realize how much work God has done to prepare this for us today? Do you realize all the preparation? Have you guys ever, if uh, you guys ever like really worked on creating an event or a dinner or something like that, and then the people you invite just don't show up? 
It makes you feel some type of way, right? Or you're creating something and, and kind of, you know, uh, generally speaking, you always know where people are when you invite them something and they're like, oh, who's all coming? You're like, oh, word. Or, or someone's, or they say, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That might, that might work. That might work. In other words, it's a no. Anyway. But he says, come, it's already. And literally from Genesis all the way, God has been preparing this great banquet for all of us to be here. He has worked. And literally, he is, uh, go to the next, you can go to the next one. Let's just put them up. He has given us the Bible. He's given us all the experience and the thousands of years of people's experience that we can look at. And he wrote meticulously the scriptures and put together what we have today through the spirit. Like God did all that. He's preparing this for us. He has given us the Holy Spirit for those of us that were baptized. You know what he did? He not only washed away our sins, but then he said, here, you can have the Holy Spirit too. I'm going to help you live this. Then he gives us the church. We read Acts chapter 2 and all the things that he created, you know, in Israel, in the Old Testament. They were everything in the temple, everything was pointing to Jesus on the cross and then the church. And he created this thing. And we read about got a, the community of believers and how it was supposed to be. It wasn't just some priest coming before the felt coming before and dispensing uh, dispensing the word or the edicts of the Lord or whatever and providing sacrifice no it says now that we are all priests that he's created something where we can all know the Lord he's done all of that everything is ready God has worked for thousands of years to get us to this place and you know the challenge for us is we forget that. And kind of the way we experience it today is, oh, you know, oh, church starts at 1130. Uh, you, know, they, you know, the live stream or whatever, they, they're probably going to start about five, ten minutes late. I'll just get there when I get there. Or I just, maybe I just don't need to be there. I can just, you know, stay at home now. You know, I'm there with you in spirit. I'll type in hi on Facebook. And we forget all that God has done to prepare us for this. And this is not just coming together on Sunday mornings. And I, I do want to, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Because I do believe that we get deceived into thinking. We get deceived into thinking that just this, just this is the banquet. This this isn't the banquet in full. And if you think that, please forgive me. If I've ever portrayed that or conveyed that, this ain't it. And I appreciate what Wes shared and he remembered. Like our services, our Sunday services and the messages, all they are is kind of appetizers. All they are is kind of like appetizers for a grander meal. There, we'll talk about it in just a second. But this it's just a part of it. Every single day, we get up and are able to enjoy the feast at the banquet. Every morning, we get to get up and experience that. But I think sometimes we forget and we just think, oh, we're waiting for this big thing, like this big event, this big whatever. No, every day, this is it. Every day, this is it until we reach heaven, which is the final and greatest banquet. Amen? But there's a couple things. 
there's a couple things for us. We can go to the next one. Let's see how this works. Oh, that's the thing we forgot. And we forgot that last bit. Go, next. Great. Here's the thing, guys. As we look at this, we got to remember he's talking to you. He's talking to me. It says, all these people, they began to make their excuses. Uh, God is not deterred by those who decline. He's just going to go on to the next and the next and the next. You guys realize that for thousands of years, like literally the past 2,000 years after, the, you know, Jesus died and all that, uh, like God is continuing. And he tells the people even in the first century, he said, look, if you won't say anything, God will make the rocks cry out. Nothing is going to hold back his glory. Some way, somehow, there have always been followers of Jesus somewhere, and God is always working, using servants to bring and bring invites out into the world. But here's the thing. We've got to, we've got to understand, he's not deterred by excuses. But for us, we've got to look at our own lives and figure out what our excuses are for not coming, for not showing up for him and what he's prepared. There's always something, right? Can anybody give me a reason why you shouldn't have been at church this morning? Ding, 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 ding. What else? Got four soccer matches. What else? No ride. No ride, right? Anybody got sniffles under the weather? No sleep. Yep. Oh, you got sniffles. Demoy back there got corona. Uh, he does not. Uh, but there's always something. I got like, I got piles of leaves on my yard, which we started last week, but I haven't been able to finish yet. Like I got, I got piles there. I can't wait for Tyler and Tristan to get on those. Okay. Um, but we got laundry that hasn't been folded around the house. Dishes in the sink. I mean, there's just always something, right? And there's always going to be something. These guys, they came with their excuses. The first one said, I bought a field. I got a field, and I got to go take a look at it. Now, let me ask you a question. There's two things. There's, there's questions you got to ask. So you bought a field, and you never looked at it? <laughs> Have any guys ever bought a house without taking, doing a home inspection or going to look at it? No, I don't think any of us have. Uh, and wait a minute. So is that field not going to be there after the banquet? The field's going to be there after the banquet, right? Like somebody going to move it, steal it. Field's going to be there. So why don't you keep your word and show up where you said you were going to be? Next, the also with the, <laughs> he said, I got, I got oxen and I got to go try them out. If you bought those oxen already, you can't return them. It's a wrap. That's what it is. They are what they are. You could try them out after the banquet, right? Can you guys agree with that? And I think, anyway, we'll go to the next one. The next one, he says, I'm married and I can't come. I'm married. I, I just, I can't make it. We just got married. Now, mind you, in the Old Testament, I believe it's Numbers 20, they said, if you are newly married, you should not go off to war. Now, that scripture has been used falsely for young marrieds not to do anything but just focus on themselves, to look in their eyes for a year. Uh, that's false doctrine. Let me just say it. The reason that scripture, because people were actually going off to war. They weren't staying just in their neighborhood. They were going off. So they're like, hey, if you're married in the first year, stay at home. But he was saying, I've just got married. It's like, okay, bring your spouse. You got a plus one. Bring them. There's more room. 
And the point for us that we've got to understand, and there's life circumstances, they're, they're just seasons. Some seasons are busier than others. But really, it's not all the stuff, right? It's a matter of the heart. Because all of us, God calls us and is inviting us to his banquet. It's time to partake with his people with, to, to, to celebrate him. And there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. And we have got to make a decision. Are we going to, are we going to keep our word to the master? And God really is not, he don't really care about our excuses. What was his response to the excuses? Was, he, was the master like, oh, yeah, I get it. I remember. I understand what that's like. No. And so he got angry. And he said, you know what? They didn't appreciate it. They weren't grateful. Next. Go on out and get the next group. They don't want it. Go on out and get the next group. Go. I prepared. I want people to come celebrate. He didn't say they had to pay for the banquet. He didn't say they even had to serve at the banquet. They just needed to come and enjoy the banquet. And I think for us, sometimes we forget that, being, that enjoying God's presence, being with God's people, it's not a burden. It is a joy and an honor, even for the servants, for them to participate in this great banquet was such a gift. And I think for us, we don't need to forget that God has prepared something great for us. And our participation is a grace in our lives. Amen? And I, I wanted to, up oh, next. Let's see if I got it. I'm so sorry. Omar, can we go to the next one? What do we have? We are, and here's the point. Uh, we are the church. You realize, like, we talk about this banquet, and I don't want for us to forget this point, and I think he was trying to make this to those at the time. You see, I think a lot of us think that we come to church. I think we think, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday or on midweek. No, you're coming to a meeting of the church. This ain't church. Does that make sense? Like churches on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and Thursday, in your home, it doesn't matter, single, married, widow, it doesn't matter where your station in life is. If you are a disciple of Jesus, wherever you are, that's where church is. And church is lived out every day. We just come on Sundays to recognize that time together. Because you realize in the, in the, during the time when this, in the scripture were written in the first century, even after the church began in Acts chapter 2, did they come every Sunday to synagogue? Did they come every Saturday to synagogue and worship the way we do today? In Corinth or in Ephesus or in Philippi, did they come and do it the way we do it? Where they come and rent out a hole and everybody comes together? And where they got 500, you know, uh, Jerusalem, I think at one point, they said they had, you know, like 10,000 Christians. Do you think they had 10,000 in Jerusalem coming together while they were under Roman occupation? Without the government coming in to squash a potential insurrection? No. They met in homes all over the place. And that's the way we're, God has created, God has designed for us to experience the great banquet. It's at your home. It's at your home. It's at each one of your homes every day of the week. And then when we come together on 
Sunday, you know what? Hey, how was church for you this week? How was it for you? How did you experience church this week? That's what it's supposed to be. But we get it messed up, and so we think that this is just, this is it. And so as soon as we walk out the door, our church experience is over. And no, it actually isn't. This is just to propel you for your next week of church. Amen? I want us to look, look with me over at John 21. We're going to look at something briefly. John 21. I was able to speak at a men's service yesterday in Boston. Uh, they had a men's breakfast, which was really cool. I prefer chili and wings myself. But they did a breakfast. And this is a passage that I read, and I wanted to read it for us today. Yikes. 21. And we'll read verse 4. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, uh, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire with, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew it. Uh, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. And I, I shared this because I, I, was, I was thinking about meditating on this passage, and I thought, if you were just there witnessing what was happening, and you were, let's say you were down the shore a bit, and you saw these dudes out, and they were fishing, and then uh, you see them bringing a net, and you see a dude that's making, you know, uh, making a fire and, and cooking on the side of the shore there, and then all these dudes just sitting there, what would it look like to you? It would just look like a bunch of dudes sitting down at the beach like, oh, that's kind of cool. They must be family or whatever. It's just a bunch of dudes sitting around having a little barbecue on the beach for breakfast, right? Not a big deal. But it was a big deal. Like Jesus was there and those dudes were sitting there with the resurrected Lord. And basically by his presence and having them there, they were now being kind of restored into fellowship with Jesus. It was a major deal. And Jesus says here, and the, kind of the cool part is, uh, one, these dudes are fishing all night again and caught nothing again. And he told them, hey, throw the net on the other side. They obeyed. And then once they obeyed and saw what happened, they were like, it's the Lord. And, you know, kind of obedience leads us to being able to see the Lord. Whole side point. But Jesus, he, he told them where the fish were at. He had the bread ready. He had the fire there. He had everything ready for them dudes. It's kind of like a great banquet, right? But here's the thing. To the outside world, it just looks like, eh. It's just, oh, just a bunch of people having breakfast on the shore. Do you realize people look at church like, eh, just a bunch of people coming into service on Sunday. Eh, 
It doesn't look miraculous at all. It just looks like another day. Eh. But it's amazing. And the thing about it, brother and sister, for us in here, if we see it as just like, eh, it's just another banquet, it's just another day, it's just another whatever, or we think, oh, okay, here we go. I got to provide. What do I need to bring? I got to give. I got to, like, no, Jesus gave everything. He set it all up. All we got to do is show up. He says, come and have breakfast. Come to my banquet. It is miraculous. But if we don't see how incredible it is, how is anybody else going to know how awesome it is? If we take this thing for granted, if we take for granted the risen Lord, if we take for granted the communion that we get to share, if we don't appreciate it, how is anybody else going to look at it as anything other than mundane? It's a great banquet. There's still room. There's still room. One, we got to come to the table. We got to help our brothers and sisters come to the table. Then on the outside, we help everybody else. There's still room here, and it's awesome. It's awesome to sit and be with Jesus together. So this week, as we leave, remember, this isn't the end of church. It's actually the beginning of church, right when we say our last amen and sing our song. Once you pick up your kids, hit the parking lot, you go home, you go to the store, wherever you do today, you go to your games, that's church. You take church with you out to the world. Amen? Let's stand. We got one more song and we're done. Thank you for listening to The Heart Podcast. To learn more about The Heart, visit us online at hartfordchurch.org.